When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. If your little ones could tell you what they're really thinking and how they feel about your twin parenting strategy, what would they say? Would they tell you that they love dressing alike or absolutely hate it? Will they ever appreciate all that effort that you've put into giving them opportunities to express themselves as an individual? Well, today we can hit the fast forward button and talk to adult twins about their experience growing up and what they wish their parents knew when they were young. And we'll also get a professional perspective from twin expert, Dr. Joan Friedman. This is Twin Talks. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Welcome to Twin Talks. My name is Christine Stewart Fitzgerald, and I'm your host. Now, I have identical twin girls who are now 14 years old and also a singleton girl who is 11 years old. So needless to say, my husband is completely outnumbered, and he's accepted the fact that he has to learn how to do braids and buns for cheer and gymnastics for the next few years. (laughs) It won't be football. Um, we have attempted to, uh, help our girls create separate identities and practical ways, but honestly, I'm very curious about what our guests may have to say. So in just a moment, I'll introduce our guests for today's discussion. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which keeps you updated on all the episodes that we release each week. And another way to stay connected is to hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you're looking for a way to get even more involved in our show, then check out our membership club. It's called Mighty Moms. And that's where we chat more about the topics that we've discussed here and on our show. And it's also an easy way to learn about our recordings. So you can join us live. Well, let's meet our guests today. Now, I want to start with our star guests, uh, Michaela and Nicole Salen, who are adult identical twins, um, who may not have always had um, experienced parenting that promoted individuality. Um, So we're going to get their perspective. And um, before we get into all the the practical parenting um, of of their childhood, let's take a look at who they are today. So um, let's start with Michaela. Can you share just a little bit about yourself as an adult and what you're doing today? Yeah, for sure. So thank you, first of all, for that nice intro, Christine. Um, So my name is Michaela. I'm 22 years old. I live a little bit outside of Toronto, Canada. Um, Right now I'm working full time in retail. Um, And then like just a little bit about me. Um, I really like to work out. I'm a big like avid runner. I actually just did my um, my first marathon in October. So that was congratulations. Yeah, Thank you. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited to be on the podcast today. Well, welcome. Okay. And Nicole, um, so how about you? So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm also really excited to be here. Thank you for having us. 
I myself also am really into fitness and running. Uh, over the summer, I kind of dabbled in triathlon, which was really fun. Wow. Um, and right now, I'm also working until I decide what I want to go back to school for. And I'm hoping to get on to a volunteer firefighter department. Oh, wow. That sounds very <laughs> strenuous. <laughs> very is, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then also uh, weighing in on the discussion today is our expert, Dr. Joan Friedman. So she is a prominent and well-respected psychologist and author with a focus on cognitive, behavioral, and relational aspects of twins. And she has an especially unique qualification as an identical twin herself and also as a mother of twins. So she's written several books, including Same But Different and Emotionally Healthy Twins, which can help adult twins and parents' twins better understand and navigate healthy twin dynamics. So Dr. Freeman, I am just so glad to have you back on your show, on our show. Um, I know you've, you've been a guest in the past and we, I feel like I, I learned so much every time. So thank you so much. Uh, well, thank you for having me. And um, thank you so much for doing this segment on adult twins. Um, I absolutely adore treating adult twins. I find the whole subject to be fascinating, illuminating, and, and so needed. And so many people don't understand that adult twins might need a little help from time to time, because if you're not living the stereotype of soulmates, best friends, and you're connected forever, it's hard for people to understand that it's very normal from the way that twins develop, that they may, you know, encounter some developmental bumps along the way, just like singletons do. So I'm delighted that we're exploring the subject, and I'm delighted that that, Kayla, that Michaela and Nicole will help us sort of navigate some of those issues. All right. Well, thank you. So today we're getting the scoop about what twins really think about some of the common twin parenting practices as we talk to adult twins who've been through it all. So let's dive in. Uh, so let's let's start talking to our guests, Nicole and Michaela, about the things that pretty much all twin parents do. So I think probably the, the, one of the first things that comes to mind is dressing twins alike. So I know as a twin parent and outside identical twin girls, I can say that we often do it because it's easy. I mean, you, you, and sometimes it's because it's it's cute. I mean, you get the, the cute factor like, oh, but um, honestly, I, I have to put it out to you guys. How how do you feel about that? Did your did your parents dress you alike when you were young? They did. Yeah. So when we always talk to them about it, they always say they had the intention of starting us like dressing us differently. And then they started to get a lot of gifts and things from people when we were really young. And obviously it was all the same stuff. And so they kind of, I guess, fell into that as well and started to dress us alike. And I think when we were younger, uh, as we probably like five or six age, we did enjoy dressing alike because that's what was kind of normal. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we got older, we didn't like it so much and it was kind of we were trying to like separate ourselves we were already kind of struggling with identity issues a bit so dressing us alike we were trying to do everything differently so we would check in with each other to like <laughs> high in, school. in high school yeah we had to wear uniforms and we had two separate colors it was either a blue shirt or a white shirt Every sure. morning it was like, Nicole, are you wearing the white or the blue shirt? And then it was like, okay, if I wear white, then you're wearing blue. So that was kind of frustrating to have to, you couldn't go about your morning routine without like checking in with somebody else. You had to always be like, are you wearing this sweater? Are you wearing this shirt? And we kind of had to go wear whatever we wanted based on what the other person was doing. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm.
When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Wow. So now, okay, now I'm, I'm curious. So um, probably when you're little, I mean, there's, I, I can say I've observed, you know, like strangers saying, you know, oh, it's so cute. There's this, there's this cuteness factor. And I don't know if you remember when you were young, did you enjoy that? And then, and then as you decided you didn't want to dress alike, did that change? Was it, I mean, in response to the way that people treated you? I'm just curious, like what was what was kind of some of the the triggers around that? Yeah, so I think definitely when we were younger, it probably like we probably liked the attention of kind of dressing the same. It drew in a lot of more people to notice that we were twins. Um, and I think kind of as we got older, we kind of got not annoyed, but it we kind of just got tired of like everyone asking us, "Oh my gosh, are you twins?" and kind of stopping us in public. The staring, uh, and yeah, the this, takes. yeah, exactly. So we kind of wanted to move away from that and just kind of have our own clothing so that maybe it wasn't as noticeable that we were twins. But I mean, still, it probably didn't work because we still kind of, even today, people say, oh my gosh, are you twins? But yeah. I think too, as you get older as well, you get more, at least for us, we both like kind of got more self-conscious. And Mm -hmm. I think dressing alike brought more attention to it because obviously you look alike, people are going to notice. And so there was more staring and more... uh, I guess unwanted like, yeah like, attention kind so of. it was kind of like well maybe we need to start dressing differently so we kind of take away some of that attention and do you remember like I mean like do you know how old you were when you just kind of made that you know I don't know it was a gradual shift to say hey I'm really not excited about this this kind of attention I kind of want to fly under the radar um I mean were you like teenager young teenagers or tweens Yeah, I think it was towards the end of, like, elementary school. In Canada, we have grade 8, and then we go into high school, grade 9 and 10. So probably towards the beginning of high school, probably, is when we really started to dress differently and Mm kind of pull away from that. And did your your parents support you in that? Yeah, Yeah. I think so, yeah. They kind of just let us uh, do our own thing once once we kind of said, like, okay, we're sick of – getting stared like being stared at and everything they were just yeah they were fine for us to dress differently and when we we got older we were like buying our own clothes and things Mm -hmm. but I can remember when we were younger if you would open up our closet it would be duplicates of every shirt every pant like literally the closet (laughs) was just double of everything so (laughs) yes no I I can relate to that so I'm I'm guilty as dart So, and Dr. Friedman, I don't know, do you want to weigh in on that? I mean, since this is kind of a a common thing, are there, you know, should parents, you know, is is there any, you know, reason why parents shouldn't do this from the beginning? Should maybe parents should from the very beginning say, okay, no, let's just make a point of making everything different. Well, Christine, you know how crazy I am, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) and this comes from, um, I, I was dressed alike with my twin sister till we were 10 years old. 
Um, mm -hmm. I basically didn't have any clue about what was going on, nor did my parents. So, I, you know, listening to Nicole and listening to Michaela, I think, you know, kind of what's underneath their struggle um, was is that they were basically always identified as twins. And as I said, why it was it was fine, it was cute when they were younger and they got a lot of attention. As you get older and you get more self-conscious and you have all this unwanted attention, and maybe you want to have attention for your own individuality or for who you are as a person, um, I think the dressing alike really does inhibit or prevent other people from making friends with twins. Um, and I think the friend thing is a big issue. And I'm not saying it's completely directly related to dressing alike, but but when when other children want to make friends with other children, this identicality of dressing alike, it kind of means that they have to make friends with both of them. And if I've heard more from adult twins what they suffered with growing up, it was this whole question of not having their own friends, but having to share twins, having to share friends. And that was really a very difficult kind of um, peer situation that they found themselves in for, for much of their school life. And I think that's a very difficult thing to navigate. It's hard enough when you're a singleton, but all that peer pressure and cliques and groups, and if you're just kind of viewed as a, a unit or a dyad, and that's how people relate to you, I don't know how how twins who are stuck in that situation can really find their own separate friendships. So I know I'm going off on a limb and I'm sorry, but I think the dressing alike is like the sameness, the identicality, the duality, you know, interfering at times, not with all twins, but with some twins with kind of a burgeoning sense of their own separateness and their own identity. So I don't think in the long run or in the short run, it does very much to dress them alike, except I understand it's easy, except, you know, it may be, you know, you have less fighting over clothes. But I feel like being able to pick your own clothes, no matter what age you are, like two years old or, or, or 20, being able to pick what you want to wear is, is such, I don't know, an expression of who you are and how you want to look and how you want, want to be perceived. So I see it as a much more complex issue than just having it be easy to have them wear the same outfits. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's, that's I, a I really interesting point. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. Um, I was just going to say, I can remember, we no one knew us by our names. It was twins, twins, or, or like sisters. It was it was never like... Casellans. Yeah, it was never Nicole or Mikhail. It was just the twins, and we hated that. Our friends would call us twins come over twins do this like even our cousins and some of our family members would do the same thing so it really was like it was tough to to kind of have your own identity when you're only known as twin so it sounds like i mean so parents could help by i mean in, in two ways a um i would say giving the friends and schoolmates and classmates and extended family members um sort of sort of help them visually with having, um, you know, different differences and, and making it easier for external friends to make that distinction. Um, and then I think I'm also hearing that, um, you know, in, in not assigning this the sameness, then it's giving um, the kids a sense maybe of autonomy from, from the very beginning rather than, oh, I actually you know, earning that permission or, or I don't know, to, to choose what you might want to wear. So, um, that's that's a really interesting thought that 
yeah, I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning right now. Um, so now I, I just wanted to, you know, ask also when we talk about sharing clothes, how about sharing other things as well? So, so Nicole and Michaela, um, can you tell us a little bit about when you were growing up and the things that you shared and the things that you had on your own? I mean, like toys and clothes, maybe you're sharing a bedroom. Um, how did it, it make you feel when you were sharing those items and, and would you do it differently? Oh, yes. So um, I would say for the most part, pretty much everything for Nicole and I was was shared, whether it was clothing, rooms, um, toys, like it was the same thing with the clothing situation where it was like, if one person had a toy, then there was a duplicate. Um, Same classroom, like same, same party, like same, same everything, to be honest. Um, And I think like, if I were to go back and maybe like, tell my parents if I could, um, I would probably say to um, just maybe put us, let's say like in a, in an extracurricular that was different or something, just so we could have something to call our own. Um, And I think because of that, because of like when we were little, everything was shared. I think now as adults, Nicole and I have both really, really tried and force ourselves to kind of do things on our own, just to kind of compensate for what we kind of lacked in our childhood. Oh, that's interesting. And, and Michaela, I mean, sorry, Nicole, um, I don't know if you have, you know, another, some added ideas as well as like, did you find that as well that you would have wanted to have done things just slightly differently and maybe as, um, you know, doing extracurricular activity or different school, um, you know, programs? Yeah, definitely. So um, like in elementary school, we were in the same class every single year. I think it was one year that we were apart. And funny enough, that was the year that each of us made our own friend. <laughs> um, and then after that, we were put into classes all the same. I think probably we had probably when we were younger, I'm probably what, five or six. We had probably asked because it was comfortable. It was easy. We didn't have to make friends because we had each other and we struggled to make friends because obviously we had each other and didn't really we have a security blanket right to always fall back to um so we had probably asked i think around like five or six to be put in the same classes and i although i think our parents were trying to to do what kind of what we wanted and try to make us happy it probably wasn't the best decision because then that kind of impacted our ability to make um, friendships and relationships with other people later on. And then even up until high school, it became like, we became so codependent on each other that it was like, we were we asking to, we like our, our school, um, like our school to be in every class together because it was out of like such habit to be in the same class and we relied on each other. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think you might like for parents, it might be your kids might want to like be together, which obviously it's comfortable and it's, it's scary to be on your own. And, but if you can get over that hump, I think would be beneficial in, in the future because you have your own independence yeah. and you're you're able to be on your own a little more and less, I guess, codependent on a sibling. Gotcha. And now I am curious too, I know we're talking about the school and activities um, and also just like for for bedroom bedroom spaces I mean this seems to be a thing I know um most often when you know babies are put in the same crib you know the crib side by side in the nursery and then um eventually over time um you know the 
you know, kids might get their own space. Um, did you find that that was a challenge for you, you know, growing up? Did you feel like you had your own space at home? Uh, so we started in the same, like our, our childhood home, we were in the same room for quite a while. Our parents separated. And when we moved into our mom's house, we had our own rooms. Um, and I feel like in the beginning, I can remember the both of us being like nervous and scared yeah. to be on our own. It was a new house and we were like separated. Um, but eventually we enjoyed it. We had our own space, um, which was really nice for the first time. So yeah, definitely having your own space was was really nice. Oh, that's great. And Dr. Friedman, so um, so so, how is it important for twins to have things of their own? Maybe you can give some examples of, you know, how parents can create that sense of, of maybe personal space or ownership. Well, I think Nicole and, and um, Michaela, you know, really talked about this in a, in a very beautiful way about how, you know, not having enough of something that your own can really, you know, contribute to an over-reliance on one another and an inability to sort of form and formulate your own sense of yourself. So, yes, it, I mean, I know not all families have the capacity to have a separate room, um, but I think if you do, it's, it's really wonderful. I think, you know, have twins having space from one another after being with each other 24 seven, um, it's really, it's really something lovely where they can learn how to be alone, maybe fall asleep alone, kind of soothe their self alone. Because again, just as Michaela and, and Nicole said, it's like they, they rely on each other for security and they don't learn how to kind of take care of themselves without their twin there. And that's something that, you know, you need to learn how to do gradually as when you're younger. Um, so having a separate room, if it's available, is great. But again, you have to do it when the twins are ready. It's the same thing like if you have, you know, separate classes or you end up being in separate schools. The whole transition has to be done with a lot of thought. You can't just say, yeah, we're doing this. I mean, because a lot of twins, you don't want to traumatize them into feeling that separation is terrifying. So the whole idea of them not sharing certain things has to be done, whatever it is you choose to do, with a lot of forethought and preparation and talk about how, you know, the twins might be ambivalent about doing this. Usually it is that one's really ready for the separation and the other one may not be. Um, and so you have to be able to weigh and measure where both twins are in order to help them, you know, make the transition in a healthy way. Um, and I love what Michaela and Nicole said too about separate activities. Just having some time away from one another is such a gift um, where they have to be socializing on their own, trying to make friends on their own. It's like seeing the world in a completely different way when you're somewhere without your twin. I, I don't think parents understand the importance and the depth of that is, you know, it's like you're taking a twin out of his or her twin bubble and putting them, you know, in some other environment where it's a completely different way of functioning. And so it's so important to have that experience from time to time whenever a family can help to make that happen. It's wonderful if they have things together, but it's also wonderful if they can have some things separately. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, I think you made a really great point, too, when um, you're talking about um, really engaging the, the kids and having the discussion rather than parents just saying, okay, well, you know, either you've got your own rooms or, okay, you're going to do separate activities. But 
um, really asking for their input. Um, and, and of course, parents ultimately have to make a decision. But right. um, I, 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 I'm hearing that that probably adds some degree of this idea of, of autonomy and, and decision making again, like that, you know, maybe it's giving each um, of the siblings permission to make decisions and perhaps separately and differently than their their twin. So um, I think that's why I, I know I'm guilty of just saying, okay, well, um, you know, we parents, we've, we've, we're making this for practical reasons and this is what it is without really asking um, what they think. So, well, you know, um, you bring up a really interesting point, Christine, is that this idea of permission um, is so important because in so many things as adult twins, as twins get older, you know, they feel like they have to give each other permission to do something different. And mm-hmm. if they don't have that in their behavioral repertoire, that they've learned how to kind of give and take back and forth, and there's kind of an expectation and understanding that that things are going to be different, then as they get older, and if, if one isn't giving permission to the other to do you know X, Y, or Z, it creates an enormous amount of tension in their relationship. So permission is such a great word because if parents can help build in that sense of twins, you know, giving each other or themselves permission to do separate or different things, it's not going to create such a disruption when they get older. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that the permission. So I think that's kind of the the mantra. (laughs) It's okay to be different. I tell that with my girls, really. (laughs) You don't, you, you, it's okay to, to make that decision. That's something that's different. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so now I'm I'm curious. So, so Michaela and Nicole... Um, so I, I'm curious about naming. One of the things that um, twin parents often do during, of course, pregnancy um, is think about, you know, what they want to name their twins. And, you know, so often we, you know, hear about these, these, okay, they, they think, okay, well, I have to do something in pairs and it has to either rhyme or has to start with the same letter or it's, it's got the same, have to have the same amount of syllables or there's, I mean, we, in fact, we did a, an episode on, on twin, twin naming. So there's this. I guess you could say preconception um, among twin parents that we, we have to somehow make it connected. And so I'm curious, I know in, in your case, um, your names are very different. I mean, the only thing I can see is that, you know, they're sequential in the alphabet, one starting with M and the other with N. But um, other than that, it's very unique and different. So are, are you glad that your names don't start with the same letter or rhyme? Or um, have you had any you know thoughts or discussions about that? Yeah, I'm super glad that we don't have matching names. I know Joan can speak to this um, really well. But, yeah, I'm super glad that they're not um, matching. Um, Yeah, I think the only only kind of requirement that our parents had when they were naming us, at least what they tell us, is they wanted 
like our Italian relatives, because we're half Italian, they wanted them to be able to say our names. But other than that, that was that was kind of it. So yeah, definitely glad that we don't have any matching or rhyming names. So note to parents, ixnay on the rhyming names. (laughs) (laughs) Christine, can you explain to me, why do parents think it's cute? Or why do parents feel that that they go through this kind of decision making to to get names like mine, like Jane and Joan? Um, no one's named Jane and Joan anymore. But but why do why do parents? I'm just curious because I come from such a different perspective. What is their their thought process about that? Well, you know, you know. Okay, now I'm I'm gonna you know let's we put this out there. So I think went during the, the twin pregnancy um, and finding out we have twins and there's, there's the specialness, you know, to it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, as, as a, you know, woman being pregnant with twins and you get, you know, you, you get all this, this extra level of care from, you know, the medical professionals. And then of course they're this, wow, you're having twins. And so, so there's this sense of specialness and uniqueness. And so I think initially, you know, with, without having this education of what it's like to be a twin, um, I think we want to assign that specialness to mm-hmm. our kids. And, and so maybe the, the initial perception is, oh, hey, let's, let's make them stand out as a unit um, and make them identifiable as, as a set um, mm-hmm. and, and being together. And so I think, um, you know, we're, I mean, in, in the media, I think we do see just so many pictures of babies that are dressed the same way and they're so cute and they have the names and we think oh I want to jump on that that cuteness I want to you know I want to get that and have my twins get that that's that's you know fun you know uh Mm -hmm. aspect of it as well so I think we buy into it unfortunately um (laughs) without seeing you know the, the tail end of what that you know can cause well that's really interesting thank you for um explaining that. It makes a lot of sense in terms of what you're saying. I never thought about it as, as starting with the pregnancy and being treated as special and and maybe what, you know, grows out of that. So that was very enlightening. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with uh, Michaela and Nicole. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, welcome back to Twin Talks. Before the break, we were talking with twins, Michaela and Nicole, about what they liked and disliked about some of the choices that their parents made for them. And we also have our twin expert, Dr. Friedman, to give us a professional perspective. So let's take a look at some other choices that we as twin parents make in our parenting strategy. So how about comparisons with your sister? So, um, so N- Nicole, Michaela, I mean, I, I have to say, I think that every twin parent really tries not to compare their kids, but inevitably it, it happens. Um, and especially when it comes to physical appearance, you know, for, you know, your case identicals and for my girls identicals, 
Um, and then also when you're doing the same activities in school. So how was it for you growing up? Um, were What were some of the most common areas of comparison? Um, and how did you deal with that, whether it's coming from your parents or from teachers or, you know, outside sources? Yeah, so I, for comparison, I would definitely say that maybe like the top three, at least for me, um, were definitely, I think it's probably because it's more so we're girls, it was definitely physical appearance. Um, and then we, because we were playing the same sport as well, we were really super competitive um, with like our sport performance. Um, and also just like our grades in general, I would say the grades maybe more so just between myself and Nicole. Um, but yeah, physical appearance was definitely like a really big one. Mm -hmm. um, and it honestly still is today, even though we don't dress the same or look the same, I still think when people first meet us, their automatic thing is to be like, oh, like they want to find like a physical feature that is different. But sometimes those like off the cuff comments aren't necessarily received as the way they like want us to receive mm -hmm. it. Um, so that can be tough. Um, I can remember being younger and like doing the awkward people would stop us and be like, okay, wait, stand side by side. And they just stare and back and forth. Back and, and oh, this Michaela, one has a freckle. Michaela and I are just awkwardly just like smiling, standing there. And they're like, okay, just scanning us up and down. That would happen all the time. And it was so awkward. So I definitely remember that. Oh my gosh. You were being scrutinized by strangers. Yeah, apart, just looking for every difference. Like, oh, your eyes are farther apart. You have a freckle here. You have, it's like just picking us apart. It's like, well, thank and, you. Yeah, like, and like growing up, you don't want to be known any like different from your twin just because of a freckle or because someone's eyes look different. Like I would rather someone know me for me because I'm different um, personality wise, not just because of a freckle. Wow. So can you imagine, I mean, you know, when hearing you guys talk, I mean, I can imagine like if singletons were just stopped on the street or, you know, in the, in this grocery store and someone just said, oh, let me, let me look at you. Let me look at your, your freckles. Let me look at the shape of your eyes. I mean, we would find that like so bizarre, but somehow it's, it's acceptable to do that to twins. <laughs> yeah. I just find that so odd. Now, how about also, um, you know, aside from physical comparisons, um, but in in school and, and performance, um, did you find that your parents were expecting you to have um, similar grades and, um, you know, and interests as well? I don't think it was so much our parents, but more something we put on ourselves. Like I always explain it as we're so kind of enmeshed and codependent on each other that it wasn't like I wanted to do better than her academically or um, like athletically. I just wanted us both to excel. So if I was excelling and she wasn't in whatever domain, it would it would kind of like I would feel her sadness or I, I didn't feel like I would be able to celebrate yeah, my wins, wins yeah. and things if she didn't get the win. It was like we you can't go through life. Obviously, we're two separate people. We can't always have the exact same grades, the exact same achievements. And that's kind of how we wanted to live our lives at that point. And when that wasn't happening, it was kind of taking away from the other person's like celebrations and achievements. And that was kind of also reflected in how our parents reacted. Like if, if Michaela were to get a good grade, she wasn't really celebrated because I was mad and upset that I didn't get as good of a grade. And our parents I also- think they didn't... tried to just keep it even keel so that yeah. they wouldn't make one person feel worse than the other. But we, they should have probably celebrated that win. And then 
it, it kind of would work its way out. So it's like, if someone does have a win, you celebrate the win. And then obviously you can comfort the person that doesn't have the win. I think it probably would have been better if they maybe took a more individual approach to kind of dealing with how each of us were either succeeding or failing. That's really interesting. Um, gosh, I, I'm sure there's a lot to unpack there about the idea of having collective success or collective failure and and how parents would want to separate that. But I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's that's something I yeah, I haven't really um, had you know much thought about. Um, I know Dr. Friedman, so I, I am curious when when parents do get into this, you know, I don't say habit or just sometimes when we when we make that comparison or, or if we expect um, our, our twins to achieve the same level of success, um, what can we do to, to fix that? Um, and, and, and what are some other strategies that we can use to evaluate without making our twins feel like that they're always viewed in relation to the other? Right. And I, I think, um, that's such a good question. And I love the examples that Kaylin and Nicole talked about. I think, I th- that one of the hardest things, of course, is we, we all do make comparisons. And especially it's the sad part is, is that twins being, they compare themselves to one another and they're their harshest judgments. Um, and if parents are not kind of aware of how much the twins are judging one another, um, then they're really losing an opportunity to, to come between them in a way and to help celebrate their differences rather than as, you know, feeling guilty about one and upset about the other and feeling like they don't, they're not able to deal with the ambivalence. The ambivalence is, okay, she did great. She's suffering. How do I, how do I engage with both? You know, the the parents are so uncomfortable so much of the time, which is unfortunate because if they were able to do this kind of from the get-go and not feel kind of constrained to feel like everything has to be the same and the twins have to feel the same and they feel so bad for the one who didn't get what you know she wanted and how can they be happy for the one that did and i mean this is an ongoing issue that twins have to deal with from the time that they're young so if parents can become comfortable with these dichotomies even in identical twins even though i know they're so um equal in so many ways, still there are a lot of differences. And it really is about celebrating differences as opposed to being afraid of them. Um, And I think so many people, parents, coaches, teachers are afraid of the differences. So they don't look for the differences. And that's why this whole thing about treating them as a unit keeps going on because people are uncomfortable. So I've always talked to parents about, you know what, you, you know, we don't love, I always say this in my, in my speech, I have five children, I love them all, but I don't love them all the same. They're all different. My compatibility, my, my maternal fit with one or more, it's not the same. And if I were to make it all vanilla, all the same, what, what a complete waste and loss that I haven't been able to get to know each one of them for who they are. I don't, I, they're different kids and I feel differently toward each one of them. And that's the beauty of parenting, I think. Whether you're parenting one or two or three, 
The beauty of it is getting to know who each one is. And that means being comfortable with differences, celebrating differences, talking about differences, not like like some hot potato to be avoided, but that it's a it's a very real issue in the lives of most twins. And the sooner you can feel comfortable thinking about it and handling it and dealing with it with yourself, as well as with your children, it, it creates a much easier atmosphere. So it's I just feel like it's something that's avoided because parents are usually so uncomfortable addressing it. And, you know, again, I understand that because it has to be addressed in a tactful way and in an understanding way. And lots of times parents aren't quite sure about how to do that. You know, that's, that's really interesting point. Um, I I think you're right. I I know I have myself have had times where I felt uncomfortable in the sense of, you know, maybe one of my girls has, has asked to do something. And then the first thing in my mind is, well, if I say yes to her, then I'm going to have to say yes to her sister as well. And there's, there's this sort of expectation that I have to, in the sense of fairness, you know, in, in many occasions that, oh, mm-hmm. I have to treat them the same. I have to either permit them to do the same things or I have to suggest the same things because I don't want to alienate the other. And I, I can say my husband and I have this discussion all the time, just that, um, you know, it's like, is fairness, is that what we're going for to make it the same? Um, so it's, <laughs> I agree. It's it's just, it's a constant debate, <laughs> very it ongoing is. challenge. And it's hard. And it's, it's hard to say, to see when one say, yes, go ahead. And the other one, you know, it's, it's, but it's life. You know, it's like, I always talk about, you know, life isn't fair and twins aren't equal because when you when you raise them with this belief that life is always going to treat them fairly. And when they become adults or maybe even adolescents, they start recognizing that that's not happening. You know, why does she have more friends? Why does she have a boyfriend? Why does she have a better paying job? How come she has a a boyfriend and I don't? I mean, as life gets more complicated, all these external factors come in that you can no longer control. And if they've been raised to believe that their lives are going to be fair and equal always, then how do you think they're able to negotiate and work through these inequities that will inevitably pop up in their lives? So it's really good to start kind of thinking about this from the time that they're younger so that they get accustomed to this idea that they're not the same and things aren't always going to be equal for, for both of them. It's a really, it's a really awful lesson when adult twins that I work with finally see this. It's like someone's like hit them over the head and they really, really are knocked to the ground until they can kind of make sense out of it and reemerge a healthier person. Very sad. Uh, so I can say this is probably one of the, the biggest issue, I mean, challenges I think parents need to work on for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Now, just to switch gears, I want to say, okay, um, this is inevitably, it always comes up, but um, the, 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 the challenge um, for recognition of each on, on, a, on just a physical level of identifying who's who. So I know this is probably more the case for identical twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I know in, in, in my case, um, sometimes like my, you know, parents, so the, the grandparents or the extended family get my girls mixed up and I'm always cringing on the inside. But um, how, like when you've been sort of mixed up and someone's called you by the wrong name, um, like, you know, what's, what's your reaction and what would you, you know, tell the parents? I mean, should we just apologize or what should we say that in, in response when we either a, we realize we have, or we haven't, and you need to correct us? Yeah, I think there was like thinking back some internalized frustration, um, I think just like an apology is good yeah. and just knowing that you're actually trying and not like sometimes I feel like our parents would just, it felt like they weren't trying to to get the name right sometimes, like they're busy or whatever. I don't know if that's kind of making sense, but yeah, just an apology and, and try to get to know them beyond the physical aspects. Like I remember we've been working with Joan now going on almost four years and in the beginning we did a group call with our parents and it was like, so can you tell us a bit about the girls and like how they were different when they were younger? And it was like silence. It was like, they couldn't really come up with anything. It was like, well, I don't really know. They were really similar. And then we got off the call and it was like, mom, dad, like, how would you say we're different? And it was like, just listing physical attributes. It's like, wow, I'm no different than the person sat next to me beyond a freckle, beyond height, beyond whatever it is. So really building like a personal connection with each person and spending time individually with like with the with your kids, I think is really important. Cause me and Michaela, like unfortunately, I'm closer to Michaela than I am kind of to either parent and I feel like she would say the same yeah, thing. Yeah. So I think building a relationship with your with each individual son, daughter, whoever it is, is is really important. Oh, no, that, that's great. And so, and is, is there also something that maybe the parents can do? So when we are trying to, let's just say, educate extended family members and, you know, how to recognize each person individually, um, I mean, I know I've tried to use examples of, you know, voice intonations or Sometimes I've said, you know, like one of my girls, you know, she plays lacrosse or, you know, try to give them some visual cues as well. But I know, are are there other things that you think parents should be doing to help, um, let's just say, educate um, other people about, especially for for younger twins? Yeah, kind of just like what you said is, is a really good idea of kind of, I mean, it is kind of hard, especially when you're younger and you might look really similar. Um, but yeah, like kind of staying away from maybe differentiators that are more so physical appearance based and more so geared towards what that individual likes to do or um, personality. yeah, personality wise, I would say is better because then extended family, friends, people actually get to know them for 
what they are as like a person versus just oh, okay like that's their physical appearance is different so yeah something something outside of like the physical appearance realm would be good to kind of educate either extended family or friends on to kind of differentiate the twins oh that's great that's really helpful Okay, and I'm going to say, so for our last question, since we are running out of time here, I'm going to open this up. Um, so what is maybe one thing that you think parents are doing all wrong? I mean, <laughs> if there's something you say, okay, let's let's put this in check. <laughs> what would you tell the, the twin parents that we should rethink and re-strategize? Uh, I would probably just say focus on individuality. Mm-hmm. Like, Building different things, like having different activities that they do, um, hanging out with different friends, um, going out like if you're like mom or dad with their daughter or son, go out and do things separately together, build a relationship with each of them separately so they feel connected to you versus being so um, codependent and enmeshed with each other. Build a relationship with each twin Mm -hmm. is what I would Mm -hmm. say. Yeah, and kind of to piggyback off of that, yeah, just like – it kind of whatever whatever you're kind of into, I would say put them into separate um, activities. Like I always say, like I think it would have been so beneficial beneficial for our parents to kind of put us in. Like we we love we both love sports. I would have loved to go um, to like a sport camp or something. I think it would probably be scary because we were we were both really codependent when we were younger. But I think that would have been such a good starting point of being young and and kind of taking that step towards being an individual outside of like that twin bubble that Joan was kind of talking about. You learn to kind of socialize on your own. You learn how to make friends. And then that also kind of bleeds into schooling and and that sort of thing too as well. So yeah, I think just different extracurriculars is a really good idea as well. Oh, that's really, those are some really great practical ideas. And I don't know if Dr. Freeman, if you had any other things you wanted to add that we should, (laughs) you know... (laughs) I think they said everything that I would have said <laughs> much more beautifully than I could have ever done. Um, I'm just sitting here and I'm smiling ear to ear, just listening to how articulate and um, intelligent they are in terms of being able to have hindsight and insight and a perception into their own experience and how, how much they've grown, you know, in their own ways to try to become more separate and more individuated. I, one thing I wanted to add, and I don't know, maybe when you're an adolescent, you don't want to do this, but you know, the whole idea of like wearing a, getting different haircuts or wearing a bracelet or a necklace with your name on it. Um, I, you know, I know that that would really, for younger, younger twins, I'm thinking that that would really help outsiders um, sort of be able to feel more more confident approaching the twins because outsiders and I get like this myself. I I'm not somebody that can easily f- tell anybody who's who until I have a sense of their personality, which you really don't have until you've been able to spend some some you know protracted time with them. So any kind of help in terms of some physical differentiation where someone can immediately look at the name bracelet or the haircut. And I even know, I know you don't want to be totally um, individuated by physical differences, but at least, at least then you have a jump start because you know who you're talking to, you know, from the get go. And I think that's just kind of an easier way to ease into getting to know each twins, especially when they're identical. I had this, um, this mom tell me the story of this um, 
eight-year-old identical twin girl. And she turned to her mom and she said, you know, mom, it is so sad that my friends can't take the time or don't care enough about me to know who I am or to know what my name is. So, you know, even an eight-year-old, you know, has this kind of internalized sense of longing that, that at least somebody, you know, will know who she is beyond her name. Um, so it's a, it's a, you know, it seems silly about a bracelet and a haircut, but, but that is sort of a window into other people having an easier time getting to differentiate the girls or the boys, whoever it is. Those are some just really great ideas. So you're right, haircuts and fun little bracelets or like initial necklaces. Um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I wish I had done that with my girls. <laughs> those are those they're so easy to do, but making such a great um, impact. Well, we're we've run out of time, and I wish we could discuss more in this session. I would thank you so much for to all of our guests, uh, Nicole, Michaela, Dr. Friedman. Um, This has just been so insightful um, conversation and be sure to check out newmommymedia.com where we'll have all of our episode um, guides plus videos and more. And that wraps up our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you like Twin Talks as much as we do, please consider checking out the amazing businesses that sponsor our show week after week. And we'll also love for you to tell other twin parents about this resource, which of course is absolutely free. And if you want to check out some of the other podcasts we produce, such as Newbies, Parent Savers, The Boob Group, and Preggy Pals, then visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Thanks for listening to Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.